case. Hope Not Hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope Not Hate, an alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backward thinking, virtue, sick virtue signaling, fake news crazy. Yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hope Not Hate. I'm joined by my colleagues Joe and Sophia for a run through the latest in uh, what the far right's been up to, uh, the upcoming local elections and a, a whole range of other topics. But first off, we haven't done this for a little while. Joe, how are you? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. I actually did a podcast which came out yesterday, um, so I have been there recently. <laughs> but I haven't been doing this recently. Sophia... Are you going to embarrass me with any recent podcast you want to? Yeah, actually, I think mine came out this week too. I interviewed uh, Maryam Khan, the editor of It's Not About the Burqa. Highly recommend it. It's a really interesting book. But yeah, so I've, I've been here too. I know this is going to sound a bit unbelievable given my introduction, but I did listen to both of those podcasts. Yeah. They're really good. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, a few topics, but I think we want to start off by talking about uh, Christchurch. Sophia, you've been tracking this closely. Yes, pretty closely. I mean, even if it wasn't my job, I think uh, a lot of people have been following this. Uh, For any single person who hasn't, um, about two weeks ago, um, in New Zealand, a white supremacist burst into two mosques during Friday prayers and uh, gunned down 50 men, women and children. Um, according to reports, uh, when he entered the first mosque, he was greeted, the, the first victim basically just greeted him with hello brother and then um, was killed. Um, so it's it's been covered widely. There's been, I guess, uh, you could call it a positive response. There has been a lot of sympathy. There has been, uh, Jacinda Arden has been really... Um, complimented on the way she tackled it as a leader um and at hope not hate also we've received a lot of messages yeah we had um almost a thousand messages of condolences that um people shared with us online you know it it, it feels awful to say it like this but there's been several of these attacks that have sparked an outpouring of grief and um we found one of the things that people really appreciate is being able to share their sympathy and their pain, but also um, their solidarity after attacks like this. And so when the um, the news came through, we created a page on the Hope Not Hate website and almost a thousand people shared messages. And it's quite timely we're talking about this now because I and some colleagues went to the New Zealand Memorial in Hyde Park this morning to lay some flowers and to share um, um, some of those messages um, at the memorial that's that's been gathered there. And, you know, it is... Um, incredibly painful but like you said there is a kind of a you know the outpouring of solidarity and sympathy does kind of give you hope it it, it sort of speaks to the numbers of people that stand on the side of hope compared to the tiny numbers of people that stand on the side of hate but I mean since since we're I I do want to mention the post post attack situation because I mean the vigils have been great the support has been great but what I don't want is it for it to stop there. Mm. You know, an outpouring of grief and then it's back to normal. And actually it's back to worse than normal. Um, the week after the attacks in the UK, Atal Mama reported that there was a 593% increase in uh, attacks against Muslim. 
um, there were five mosques in Birmingham that were targeted um, overnight and in the morning. So uh, there's obviously a huge... There's a back. It's not even a backlash. It's like, a, oh, let me do something horrible to situation. So, um, I mean, I'm hoping that there are longer term effects that people are galvanized. And you've had positive things like a Labour Party adopting the um, Islamophobia definition uh, that was created by the all APPG mm. um, on Islamophobia. And um, on the other hand, you have the Conservative Party that's ignoring that it has an Islamophobia problem. And it, I found it a bit shocking after what happened. Yeah. I mean, the Conservative Party has basically lied about the, the issue to us. And we've been chasing them on this for over a year now since um, we complained about Boris Johnson's mockery of, of Muslim women. Um Brandon Lewis, the chair of the Conservative Party, told us on, on Twitter that there were no complaints outstanding. And since then, it's come out in articles in The Guardian and Huffington Post and BuzzFeed that there were complaints at the time. We wrote to him saying, you know, why did you lie to us about this? And he didn't even answer the, the, that, mm-hmm. that question. And I think that kind of, you know, warm words about zero tolerance are just not being backed up by action quite the opposite it is you're right it's depressing and i mean you have i think the latest one i noticed was uh senior tory mp jacob reese mogg who cited the anti-muslim afd in a tweet and cited it positively uh so there seems to be a deep intrinsic problem and that goes to the top at the heart of the tory party it's not i mean our Hope Not Hate polling has shown over the last eight years that um, those who voted Conservative in the 2017 general election are among the most likely to hold anti-Muslim sentiments. But when you have Tory parties tweeting these things and saying these things, you kind of realise yeah, why. Yeah. Yeah, the AFD one with Mog was especially shocking because the AFD started out as a kind of far-right or radical right anti-Muslim party but the last year, year and a half, couple of years, it's gone dramatically right. Um, for a Conservative MP to think it's acceptable to talk positively about the AFD either shows a wild ignorance of where the AFD are politically right now or it shows a really worrying uh, acceptability towards racism. And when we look at Mog, this isn't his first strike in this area. You know, He's turned up at the traditional Britain group before, which is really far right. So um, the AFD stuff was... Really worrying, and I think generally, like I think, the, uh, I agree. The initial reaction was obviously sadness and shock about New Zealand, but I think, like many people, it soon turned to ang- anger and, and like asking serious questions about it. And the big one has to be is it's not a clear conveyor belt, right? It's not people are slightly Islamophobic and then they, you know, there's a line, a direct line that ends up with terrorist attacks. But people have to look at themselves and they have to take responsibility for what they say and what they do. And if you constantly say Muslims are incompatible. Muslims are invading. Muslims are taking over. They're not like us. This is a war. This is a civil war. We're being invaded. If you constantly say that stuff, some people will take that and act on that. I mean, that was pretty much what was in his manifesto, right? The Great Replacement, etc., etc. Completely echoed, you know, generational (coughs) identities rhetoric, for example. And And they've taken the wildly peculiar move of doubling down on the term the Great Replacement and seeking to use this as a public, you know, publicity chance to push on it which is pretty disgusting but 
but it just shows how hollow their notion of constantly saying we're non-violent is because their ideas result in violence. And there is a there is a financial link between the Christchurch terrorist and Generation Identity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's now since in the last week or so has come out that the murderer donated, I think, one thousand five hundred euros to Martin Selma and Generation Identity in Austria. Um, and Martin Selma had an email exchange with the murderer when this happened some time ago. Selma tried to be really funny, actually, and donated ten pounds to us yesterday um, or a few days ago, saying. Oh, you know, if I'm linked to terrorism because someone's donated to me, now you're linked to it too because I've donated it. Um, kind of showing how petty he is and trying to think how funny he is. Um, really, he should be spending a lot more time wondering why someone who went on to murder 50 people decided that they wanted to give him £1,500. Why did they agree with him so much? We've, don't, we've turned that money down. Yeah, we gave the yeah. money back, yeah. Yeah, we, we don't take money from racists who are linked to terrorists, so... Yep. Cool. Okay, well, um, let's go on to uh, uh, talk about, uh, well, Brexit, I'm afraid. <laughs> One day we won't have to talk about Brexit, but there were some big demonstrations. I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a very long time, whatever happens. Well, okay, to... One day our, our grandchildren won't have to talk about Brexit. Um, but there were some big demos at the weekend, Joe, and you were yeah. checking them. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I think as like many people, everyone's exhausted with Brexit. But I was actually on a dating app the other day and it said, if you talk about Brexit, I'll delete you. <laughs> so everyone is angry about it. Um, but there was, there was two demonstrations on Friday um, in the afternoon and evening outside Parliament. Again, kind of showing how fractured even the... Two, two different demonstrations. Two different demonstrations, just showing how fractured they are. Um, one was Leave Means Leave, which was Farage's group, which had a kind of, was a slightly more mainstream, shall I say, Set of people. We had Kate Harry, the Labour MP. It's relative. We had the uh, talk radio broadcaster Julia Hartley Brewer. We had some people from Leave.eu, like Richard Tice and John Longworth from Leave Means Leave, and Ian Paisley Jr., who is always a pleasant character. Um, and there was the kind of supposedly the more mainstream demonstration, and that was the end of this long march for freedom, or whatever these people <laughs> called it. Um, where it was they, more of a trudge. It was a trudge through. It looked like a post-apocalyptic. Sort of like that film, The Road. It's like thirty people walking through the mud, but um, it wasn't particularly successful. But that was the end of the demonstration, and then there was a second demonstration which was much more extreme and much uglier, and that was the UKIP demonstration, sponsored, as they say, by Tommy Robinson, a real name <laughs> Stephen Yaxley Lennon, and uh, this was just a hodgepodge of horribleness. Um, some of really, really extreme speeches. Actually, there was talk about. Um, I mean, obviously, people like Generation Identity were there and all that sort of stuff. But there was, you know, one of the speech speakers was like screaming from the stage about how we killed and we decapitated Charles the First and these politicians are traitors. Um, Tommy and and that kind of demonstration was just much uglier, much more extreme. And ironically, for Tommy Robinson, or unironically, should I say, his speech was primarily about himself. He talked about himself for about fifteen minutes about how he's going to put the monster stand for UKIP and all this sort of stuff. So it was a mixture. The demos were so close in the end, the people moved between them. But um, it was a bit of an ugly afternoon, showing the kind of uglier side of some of the Brexit debate. Was that the one that had the two effigies of Theresa May and uh, Sadiq, Mayor Sadiq Khan? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, dragging, dragging like, in a noose? Absolutely, yeah. Which is really, what I mean, it just shows where that some of that crowd was. Because while there were some normal people, completely just normal people who were, were pro-Brexit and angry were on the streets... There was a huge far right contingent there, and and like there was yes, there was Theresa May, which is deeply worrying, but Sadiq Khan hasn't really played a huge role in this debate. Um, I think that's a good point, to, uh, a good thing to point that uh, woman and uh, Muslim or uh, minority. Absolutely, yeah, and and um, 
And the what the rhetoric's really worrying. If you keep shouting traitor, you keep shouting betrayal. You're kind of talking about the murder of a, a king, and like I mean, this echoes exactly what you were just talking about. We were just talking about um, about Christchurch. That words have consequences. Yeah. Not everyone who's shouting traitor at people in Parliament is going to com- commit an act of violence, but it does encourage some people to, and it only takes one person to to do something like that. Absolutely, and we've heard that there's been MPs with death threats. We've seen people harassing people outside Parliament. Um, the debate's getting to a really, really ugly place, and people like Tommy Robinson or Stephen Yaxley Lennon are really not helping that, um, and are seeking to use this, right? Whatever side of this debate you're on, because people on, you know, both sides can be absolutely fine, but there's people like Tommy Robinson and Gerald Batten and UKIP are using this to really stoke up an ugly politics which they're going to try and exploit in the local elections in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have got to be really careful because I was going to say people are going to get hurt but of course people have already got hurt so um, yeah. more people will get hurt yeah. and I think there's a real um, there's, a, there's a real spectrum here and you know people shouting uh, traitor and shouting vile abuse at, at MPs or people dragging effigies around in nooses are at one end of that yeah. spectrum of violent language but there is at the other end more mainstream politicians are being quite uh, dangerous in their use of language. I mean, even Theresa May was talking about um, it, it would be the patriotic thing to do to vote for her for her deal in Parliament, talking about how MPs were to blame for the current crisis. Yeah, she was evoking populist rhetoric. It was kind of it was it was Trumpian. It was it sounded like the European populists. It was her. It was she was with the people against the politicians, which is really unhelpful language. Yeah. And it's obviously not as inflammatory, but it is on that that range, and mm-hmm. it, it it can it can push people in a, in a, a very worrying. Uh, direction, but you you mentioned the local election, so let's uh, yeah. let's go and talk about that. That's the second of May, I think. Yeah, um, I keep getting confused between the local elections and the Euro elections, but we probably won't have Euro elections. Maybe I mean, nobody, nobody, no one, no one. Literally, the thing that no one wants, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think we're going to be involved in the Euro elections, but yeah, the local elections, second of May. Um, if if there are Euro elections, there will be a different range of, of far right characters uh, standing, including um, Nigel Farage's Brexit Party. Um, if if there are European elections, we should probably do a podcast special because it'll be an awful lot to talk about. There'll be a lot to talk about. So let's just focus on the local elections for today. Um, I think they're 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 kind of interesting in the sense that in <coughs> 2015, um, UKIP obviously had that uh, huge uh, performance where they got uh, almost four million uh, votes and won. Um, uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of seats, but they've had a bit of a collapse uh, since then. 2017 was a very, very bad year for them. Uh, this year, they're kind of a, a whole new party, a different entity. Jared Batten is now the leader. We've talked in the past about how they have become a much more radicalised and far-right party, focused much more on um, anti-Muslim uh, rhetoric than on than on Europe. But I think they're very associated with European issues. And so... Um, where they're at, um, uh, I think they could take advantage of where the debate is at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's a level of brand recognition there, which is UKIP equals Brexit, you know, and a lot of that goes back to Farage. And I think a huge chunk of the population have no idea yeah. the direction UKIP have taken. And, and like, this is one of those tell your friends, tell everyone you meet, put it on social media. UKIP is not the party it was four or five years ago. We had a problem with that party as well, by the way. But like, <laughs> right. but, the, but the party that it is now is much more extreme. And where Batten has taken it is really, really dangerous. But is it the Do you have the, an example? Just in terms of the, like, they've shifted in the direction of the people that they're trying to work with. So Tommy, having Tommy Robinson as a kind of advisor and possibly 
a candidate in upcoming elections if they allow him into the party would have been inconceivable previously. Four years ago, he was completely banned from yeah. membership mm-hmm. or associating with yeah. them. Now he's uh, sponsoring their their, their demos. And I mean, but he's got what well, they just the polls now saying what seventeen odd percent possibly. Well, it's, it's, so. Yeah, I mean, there's I think there's two ways to look at this. There's some good news and some bad news. The the bad news is that um, in polling for the European elections, if those were to take place. UKIP are polling up at 17%. For the local elections, they're polling more around 8%, which is still significant. And if they mm-hmm. actually were to achieve that uniformly across the country, that would be a significant uh, uh, vote. Um, and I mean, there are like 250 local authorities and 11 councils in Northern Ireland that are up for grabs. Yeah, yeah. It's a big not, one, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they stand in Northern Ireland. I'll be corrected when David listens to this later. <laughs> but uh, he's our local elections expert. So on, on one hand, there is some worrying news about the, the polls and also their membership is way up. Uh, but and has actually succeeded in uh, stabilising the party, putting on a firmer footing in terms of its activists and so on. On the other hand... The schism that has taken place around Batten's move to the far right um, has weakened their activist base. Branches have defected wholesale to Farage's new movement. They're not strong in places where um, they would expect to make big gains. Take Lincolnshire, for example. Um, 106% of people in Boston voted leave uh, in the referendum or something. Uh, You know, obviously not literally. (laughs) Boston was a huge leave area and UKIP just doesn't have the base there that it needs to be able to stand the candidates, run the campaign. So, uh, you know, on one level, they're polling strongly. They've got that strong brand recognition. Brexit is a it, being the top of the agenda uh, will benefit them. On the other hand, they are a weaker force um, than completely. they used to be. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's completely fair. But we should also uh, touch on For Britain, um, uh, the, the party that Morrissey, shamefully, um, has endorsed. Uh, they're kind of... Um, gearing themselves up to stand in, in quite a few areas and, and will be will be worth watching. I don't think they're standing widely enough to make a big electoral dent, mm-hmm. but in places like Stoke yeah. uh, and in some of the authorities in, in Essex, um, uh, they, 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 they will be a factor. And it's, it's sort of strange. UKIP are now the party that appeals to people that used to vote for the BNP. For Britain is the party that appeals to the people that used to be members of yeah. the BNP. Well, partly is because technically UKIP still aren't, and you're not allowed to be in UKIP if you were a member of the BNP or the EDL, technically, although those rules are shaking every day. Um, but So we've ended up with this rump of ex-BNP organisers and people in uh, in For Britain. And so it's this, very, it's this kind of really tiny, really ugly, increasingly extreme political party that... Um, Probably will has absolutely no chance in elections, but will be bad news if they come to town. If they're kind of putting out their vitriolic leaflets, it's never good if a group of ex BNP members turn up in your constituency and start spreading hate. They're really anti Muslim, they're really racist, and it's the dregs of the British nationalist movement have ended up in For Britain. So it's one of those that will have a, a negative effect on communities, but probably not an electoral threat. Yeah. One thing I want to add outside of who's standing and the threats that we face is uh, voter registration day is coming up on the 12th of April. It's the deadline for registering to vote. If you haven't registered to vote or if you are like me and have recently moved house and need to uh, 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 re-register, 
uh, go to gov.uk slash register and make sure that you are on the electoral rolls. It's really easy to do. Um, but once that deadline is passed, you won't have a chance to vote on Election Day. And when Election Day comes, you will feel really bad and annoyed with yourself for not having done it. So, At least you won't have to spoil your ballot, though. <laughs> <laughs> Go to uh, gov.uk slash register and make sure you are signed up. Brilliant. All right. Any other business? No, no I haven't yeah. signed up yet, so I wouldn't do that. Okay, so I haven't done it either. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's I a bit embarrassing. So let's make sure we get, get registered. Yeah. Um, and that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Hope Not Hate podcast. Uh, please, if you haven't already, leave a review and rating on whichever platform you use. It really helps us to uh, reach a, a wider audience. And if you are not already a Hope Action Fund member, please head to the website, click on the link on the front page and become a member. Uh, people who are members of the Hope Action Fund are the people that make our research and intelligence work actually happen. Uh, and that's so important. So thank you if you are a member. Uh, please sign up if you haven't. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>